This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. Hello, it's a mini welcome along to episode 111 and a half. If it's a mini, you know what that means. Things have gone down. Welcome along to the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and as always I am joined by Gavin Jay Baxter. Gav, how's it going? I'm good, yeah. Uh, I've been a little bit out of the loop today so I did wonder why you were summoning me to record a podcast about Dave Cormack modelling the new away <laughs> shirt. But it turns out there's been some more uh, more significant news uh, incoming at Pataudry today. And that's what we're here to talk about. Indeed, it is. Um, I guess, though, before we, we get on to talk about transfer news, I, I guess, Gav, this, um, the sad news from early in the week, which came after we'd recorded um, the episode about early in the week, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it before. But the sad news about the passing of former Aberdeen boss, director, club ambassador, uh, Craig Brown. So Brown, of course, former Scotland team manager, the last Scotland manager to take us to a World Cup, manager at Clyde Preston North End and Motherwell before his career took him north to Pataudry alongside Archie Knox in December 2010 to try and rescue, let's be quite frank about it, what at the time appeared to be a downward spiral towards relegation following the disastrous Mark McGee era. I mean, appeared to be, that is an understatement. Indeed, I'm being polite. Um, 112 games in charge overall for Craig Brown in all competitions. 37 wins, 34 draws, 41 defeats. That's a win percentage of about 33%. But I guess that win percentage needs to be put into some level of context, I suppose, given the absolute horror show um, that he inherited when he first came through the doors at Pataudry, eventually guiding Aberdeen to a ninth place finish that season uh, the same again the following campaign before then deciding to step aside late on in the 2012-13 season to allow Derek McInnes the chance to come in shape his thoughts about what his team looked like going forward and I guess Gav Craig's um, spell at Aberdeen maybe now best remembered um, in, in retrospect for putting some substantial building blocks in place I think for what Derek McInnes would eventually go on to achieve in his first couple of seasons at Aberdeen, the acquisitions of the likes of Mark Reynolds, Neil McGinn, Johnny Hayes, and then the return of club captain Russell Anderson all taking place under his watch. So Gav, I guess just um, your your thoughts on, on Craig Brown. Yeah, yeah, very, very sad news. Like for a generation of a fan growing up in Scotland, Craig Brown will be synonymous with simply being the Scotland manager. Um, that was how it felt for... A number of years, uh, eight years, he was in charge of the men's uh, national side. Um, I can remember, you know, Euro 96, 
98, uh, the excitement of us going into that first game of the tournament with Brazil. You know, we put out a very good Scotland team that was unlucky to to lose that game, courtesy of a own goal by Tom Boyd. And then, you know, fast forward 2000, the playoff with Wembley, the playoff with Wembley, playoff with England, which she obviously included that 1-0 win at Wembley. It was yeah, some 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 very good times, and it shouldn't be underestimated. There's reasons why we were able to qualify for tournaments back then, a little bit easier than than now. But you know, as, as you say, he is the last manager to take Scotland to a World Cup, and that as an achievement shouldn't be underestimated. And then you know, when he came north to Aberdeen after after Martin McGee had been given far too much time, quite frankly, in that second spell, I was convinced that if we waited a month month maybe two months and we didn't get the right man in we were staring down the barrel of of relegation and that could have been you never know what happens to the club's future at that point so i think we owe him a debt of gratitude for coming in and and saving us that season the next two years you know i think you could probably say without being um unkind that it was probably underachieved as aberdeen manager and uh, not being able to crack the top six but he did uh, build the squad in a way that the next manager, Derek McKess, could go come in and have a lot of those key uh, pieces in place. And then, obviously, after that, you know, he retained at Aberdeen as part of the board, as an ambassador. You've seen some of the eulogies from the likes of Alan Burroughs, Stuart Milne, that you know, Albert Aberdeen became a, a big part of Craig Brown's life up until up until his uh, his last days. So, yeah, sad news. And I think like you say we're just going to echo the sentiments that we, you know. Um, pass on our thoughts to his family and friends and people of Aberdeen. Given our love for the sport of Kings, I feel that this appropriate thing would be to give him the 10 bell, toll the bell 10 times, but um, I don't have a bell in, in ABZHQ. Yeah, I mean, uh, a total giant of the Scottish game, it's fair to say. Um, you've seen it from all of the eulogies and glowing words that have come out about Craig Brown. Since Monday, um, from across the Scottish game, the, across the Scottish landscape, a real character as well, it's fair to say. And, you know, we all, I think that it's fair to say that Craig leaned into that character sometimes as well. Um, any dealings that I'd had previously with him, which were relatively minimal, but have always been, you know, excellent, great time. Um, and you only need to look at, you know, this is not just stuff that's been said now after he died. And I know a lot of, the, a, a lot of times this is what happens. It's when, when people pass away that then all the, 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 the glowing words and eulogies come out about the individuals. But, you know, I'd encourage anybody to go back and listen to some of the interviews we've done with the likes of, you know, Rob Milsom, with Carrie Arneson, with Chris Clark, with, you know, Russell Anderson, Gavin Ray, Mark Reynolds, who all played under Craig at Pataudry and who all spoke about him so fondly in those episodes. And I know that obviously in the Mark Reynolds episode, there's a couple of absolute pearling Craig Brown stories in there as well that I think is probably worthwhile going back into to dig into. So um, as you say, Gav, I think our thoughts um, with with the family of Craig at, at this difficult time and, um, you know, all the very best. But moving on, Wednesday morning, started off with a bang. Alan Burrows holed up at Pataudry. It's 6.30am, sending out those Aberdeen away shirts and their DHL envelopes this morning. And then we saw the notifications pinging just around 9am with the long-awaited confirmation that Anthony Stewart was... No, sorry, that Graeme <laughs> Shinney was back for a third spell following the termination of his contract at Wigan Athletic. Uh, Shinney back as captain. 
signing a three-year deal, apparently wearing the number four shirt as spoiled by our esteemed chairman, looking to build on his 202 appearances in red to date, 13 goals as well in that time. He will lead the club into European group stage football. Gav, it's been trailed for long enough. I think we were all expecting it, but um, delighted this morning just to hear the news that this had been confirmed that Graham Shinney was once again an Aberdeen player. Yeah, I was I was delighted when we signed Graham Shinney the first time around. I was ecstatic when we brought him back in January for that six-month spell, and it felt like it's the right thing to do for everyone is for Graham Shinney to be back at Aberdeen full-time as captain. Um, I, I love the guy. I think he's an amazing player. And you saw what a key player he is when he was out of the squad um, for a few, what, four games at the end of the last season going into that that split. Uh, you saw what a key difference what a difference he made to the team when he came back for the Sitminen game. Um, and I think as much as anything, he's just a player that, for one thing, we've spent a long time trying to replace Graham Shinney and it took Graham Shinney to replace Graham Shinney. So players like him, you know, we're not going to get anyone like him just like just like that. And he feels like a player who just connects the fans with the club and with the team because, you know, as as the song goes, it feels like he is indeed one of our own and that's uh, that's always going to Great, good, good feeling. Um, I was a little bit nervous about this transfer just for the simple fact that, you know, Wigan are such a, a basket case as far as their ownership and the situation they're in with with transfer embargoes, whether they would try and create, make this difficult. But anyone that was fortunate enough to be there at the sponsor's dinner will know that Graham Shinney did not have much in the way of uh, fond memories of his time at Wigan and know that he would have been desperate to get back here. So delighted it's been done and I'm delighted that it's been done quite early so that we can get him in straight away for preseason. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> the one thing that was missing from Graeme Shinney's Aberdeen career first time round was Trophies. not winning a trophy. Um certainly with him as captain. Um and then I guess group stage European football as well. So it does feel fitting that he has come back now where where we are going to finally get our team into that group stage of Europe. Um something we just kept on missing out on unfortunately the first time he was here. And it would be fitting, wouldn't it, if we if we could somehow get to a position where over this next three years we do see Graham Shinney lifting a trophy for Aberdeen. I would say though that I am braced for more absences from the first team on account of VAR mm-hmm. because I think Graham Shinney is going to be a victim of that throughout the course of these three years if VAR does in fact stick around such as the player that he is but yeah I think this is a fantastic bit of business. And then we weren't done there shortly before lunchtime the news also breaking that the Dons had tapped that Liverpool well once again to sign centre-half Reese Williams on a season-long loan deal. Let's be honest, there's going to be absolutely no Oscars handed out for the best actor for the promo video that the club did. Um, they, are not about, they are not about to be crossover stars, no. No, I don't think so. Not but right now. No. Maybe that's something they can work on. Um, Maybe. Your initial thoughts on another acquisition from the Jaden Richardson, Shaden Morris School of Football Agency? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the initial, you know, when you look at it, it seems like it's a pretty good bit of business, doesn't it? I mean, he's got a decent level of first-name exposure at Liverpool. Uh, he's coming from a fantastic environment with that club. And we've seen what can what can come from there with, with Leighton Clarkson. Um, again, just happy that a key position in the team has been filled very early on. And hopefully we can just, you know, I, I, I recall saying to someone that with 
you know, Leighton Clarkson was a Danny Ward, but for every Danny Ward, there was a Ryan McLaughlin. So I'm hopeful that Reese Williams will come in and uh, be much more of the Ward Clarkson uh, mold. A, a, a tiny bit concerned when I look at his his stats, his football experience to date, that he's at the age of 22. For me, a bit light as far as overall first team experience. Uh, I think 69 appearances um, in first team football. More of them coming for Kidderminster Harriers in the National League North than anywhere else. But we had the same concerns with Leighton Clarkson when he came in. And, you know, he was an absolute star. It just does show you that there's more clubs out there that are putting their faith in Aberdeen to be a good environment for their for their players to grow. So hopefully we can look forward to uh, a good good season and a good spell with Reese Williams. Yeah, so let's just look a little bit more in detail on Reese Williams quickly just now, and then we'll, we'll get a chat to, to, to Kev O'Sullivan, who's going to join us to talk to talk a bit more detail about him and his career to date. But 22 years old, um, six foot five inches, so he's nae wee. Um, centre half, former England under 21 internationals, come through the Liverpool ranks uh, right the way through all their age groups. 19 appearances for the Liverpool first team, 14 of those as starter, five of them from the bench, has got experience at both Premier League level and in the Champions League. Um, you've just touched on, has had loan spells at Swansea City and Blackpool over the last couple of seasons in the Championship, although his loan spell at Swansea was cut quite short in the 21-22 season, but we'll hear a bit more about that and the reasons for that from Kev in a minute or two. Last season featured 17 times for Blackpool in a side that ultimately was relegated from the Championship 23rd out of 24. He, I think, eventually was actually recalled by Black, uh, by Liverpool towards the back end of that season. Spent the last portion of the campaign back at Liverpool in and around the first team, although he didn't make the bench or, uh, or, or make an appearance. His last Liverpool appearance coming in May 2021, playing the full 90 minutes as Liverpool beat Crystal Palace by two goals to nil. That 2021 season, really his breakthrough season, Liverpool started in wins against Arsenal and against Manchester United as Liverpool had massive massive defensive uh, concerns you may recall and I think at one point ended up with Matt was it uh, Matt Phillips and uh, Reese Williams as their second half pairing and remarkably I think they weren't beaten for the last five or six games that season to actually secure themselves back into Champions League qualification right footed tall as we can see um, his data is quite an interesting some quite interesting data sets around uh, Reese Williams the more recent ones come in, coming in from the championship last season I mean from a defensive perspective, certainly looks pretty good. Um, volume of tackles may be a little bit below average in the in the championship, but he appears to have a relatively good feel for reading a game, and, and his positioning um, from that perspective means that I think this could complement, I think, somebody alongside him, McDonald, and then maybe one other to come into a, a back three at Lucas. Though certainly doesn't look as though he's a player who lets himself get beat, um, averaging only 0.39 dribbles against per 90 minutes compared to a championship average of 0.49. And seems to have pretty good discipline as well, committing only 0.5 fouls per 90 minutes, which placed him in the top 86 percent in the or the 86 percentile i should say in the league from an aerial perspective i mean at six foot five you're expecting he's gonna be present in the air should deal with long balls pretty well and then on passing and i think this is probably the most interesting part because obviously having come through the liverpool system liverpool like to play the ball out from the back they like to play big cross field passes as well sometimes from the likes of van dyke out to the likes of salah firmino um other Liverpool players. Other Liverpool players. This, I'm showing up my Premiership lack of knowledge here. Um, is, is Robbie Fowler still there? 
could be who knows steve mcmahon um but certainly has certainly likes to likes to look to play short passes and also can play cross field rakers in towards the wide areas so certainly i think that looks very very positive i think and it seems to match up i think with how i can imagine barry robson looking to try and play perhaps the one big weakness that we can see at the moment is probably pace doesn't look as though he's the quickest on the turn and i think if a player gets in behind him might be struggling a little bit but it's okay. Tony Stewart's here. He'll teach him through all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when you look at the raw data again, Gav, good age has good experience in terms of the, the level he's played at, although maybe not played enough football. Um, but as you touched on earlier on as well, maybe a good sign, maybe a sign as well of a, a relationship performing with Liverpool, possibly, around them looking to loan out players to us rather than lower leagues of England, rather than just playing under 23 football. Feels that way. Yeah. I mean, like, it seems that we do have a good connection with Liverpool now. Um, you know, Leighton Clarkson, it sounds like, you know, it was a pretty simple process of getting him to Aberdeen permanently. And, you know, they've even let him go for what I assume is less than an Aberdeen club record transfer. Because I think even though that we always like to say undisclosed fees, I think if it was a club record, he would have still made mention of that. And there was no conversation about that. So, I mean, the indications we have about the Clarkson fees it's nowhere near the levels that people were talking about it might be uh certainly it's definitely not the kind of money that was being floated around if he was to join one half of the ugly sisters in Glasgow um so yeah I mean yeah and that all that reputation that we have Liverpool will only spread through England and through the rest of Europe so that's a very positive sign for us. And yeah when you just look at uh Reese's data his physical attributes I think He's probably here to fill the Matty Pollock role in the defence, um, just to be that big physical presence to go and deal with whatever threat comes our way. And in addition, certainly a bit more wiry, I think, than Pollock. He's not as built, as yeah, Pollock. I, but... I did, I did sense that. You know, there's there's time for that kind of stuff to yeah kick in. If you can find some of like Andy Constein's leftover protein powder from back in the day, then. <laughs> be taken care of he is tall definitely i mean like although in saying that you know you have to look at things relatively he is standing next to leighton clarkson in these promo videos and leighton clarkson is a tiny tiny little human being so uh but yeah six five if we can deliver the right kind of service he's going to be a threat at the other end of the pitch as well yeah it all feels very good and that stuff like you know speed being turned a challenge that's just things that he's going to grow with more game time and more experience and you know angst mcdonald's probably the same but angus never really got caught out in that way so with having someone like him alongside him he's only going to grow well i i do think i i wonder I mean, we never played with a particularly high line at all last season under Barry yeah. robson um so it's it's perhaps not a concern anyway we, we yeah. we're probably not expecting to have play with a high line and have balls coming in over the top of us so it, it it's going to be interesting to see how that also hangs together whether we do stick with the back three or whether we do move back to a back four under barry i, as, as I think we will I think we will. With the back three. I think there's going to be a left side of centre back coming in at some point. I wouldn't disagree, I don't think, from that perspective. I guess, um, but hey, what do we know about Reese Williams? We know a bit, let's be honest, um, but we don't know everything. So we decided to get the lowdown on our new acquisition with Kev O'Sullivan from the LFC Day Trippers podcast. That's a very good name for a Liverpool podcast. Down, da 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 <laughs> lovely stuff Gav you can tell we're not paying the license fee for that one <laughs> <laughs> 
Kev, welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to join us tonight. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, busy day for you guys, but you know, this is what we're all in it for the transfer season. You got to love it, man. That's you got to love it as a fan. It's all about the hashtag content. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. So, um, like I said, you, you can join us at short notice to talk about Aberdeen's latest acquisition uh, today. Season-long loan deal for for Reese Williams from Liverpool. So, 22 years old, uh, six foot five, centre yeah. half, former England under 21, in under 21 international, coming through the Liverpool ranks. 19 appearances for the Liverpool first team. Uh, 14 of those starts, five from the bench. He's got experience at both Premier League and Champions League level. He's had loan spells at Swansea City and Blackpool over the last couple of seasons. Uh, last Liverpool appearance came in May 2021, played the full 90 minutes in this one in the Premier League as Liverpool beat Palace 2-0. Yeah. That 2020-21 season, kind of his breakthrough season Liverpool started and wins away at Arsenal and away at Manchester United, um, but then didn't really seem to kind of kick on that following season. Right-footed, tall, as we can see. Um, yeah. What sort of player do you think can Aberdeen fans expect to see next season? Um, well, the thing is, he hasn't got that many first-team senior games. You know, he's he's been through the ranks. He's played at every stage right the way through. He's tall, he's wiry. But you, he made his debut with us in that 2021 season. And that 2021 season for us was when we um, we couldn't keep centre-back fit for love, no money. We lost Van Dijk, we lost Gomez, we eventually lost Matip. And we ended up at one stage playing Fabinho and Jordan Henderson as two centre-backs. And we just got absolutely uh, creamed. And it came to the last five games of the league season and Klopp decided, to look, I've got to start trusting these guys. And he threw Nat Phillips and Reese Williams in last five games of the season. And it started off with a game, that run started off for him with a game against Manchester United at home, luckily. And it was a game we won 4-2 in the end, but it was a game that Manchester United took the lead and we got back into it. He wasn't at fault for any of the goals, but above all games to come into, that was huge. And the thing is, it was a stage of the season where we went unbeaten at the end to finish third. It was the season where Alison Becker scored that headed goal against West Brom. He was involved in that game as well. Um, it was a mad end to the season, but without that season, we wouldn't have had a chance to go for a quad. Mm. We we wouldn't have got back into Europe the next season without Klopp trusting that centre-back pairing. So it was a baptism of fire for him. And the problem he was always going to have is the slot that he was looking to take up in the squad. Uh, say hello to Virgil van Dijk, my big Dutch friend. You know, and no disrespect to Reese Williams, he's not that. And Virgil plays all the time. So the club decided to, um, they signed him on an extended, they extended his contract and they sent him out on loan to Swansea. And that really was the end of a fairy tale because that was, that didn't go well at all for him. He ended up getting racially abused by a Swansea fan in a game against Luton. And He'd only made seven total appearances, I think, for Swansea, five starts, and it just didn't work. You know, you get some that yeah. you've seen them come, you've seen some loans, and you, it, they just don't work. That didn't work. But it showed him the other side of football that it's not all rosy in the garden, that there are, it, it does have big dips. He went from the absolute highs of finishing a Premier League campaign, and there's a famous picture of him and Nat Phillips in front of the cop getting cheered off uh, after that Palace game to go to Swansea and have that happen to him was horrific. And he comes back to Liverpool. 
He's caught. He's recalled back, and he stays for the rest of that season. Again, injury cover in case the January window we were going to sell someone. So he stayed for the rest of that season, played with the twenty threes, and the next season he went on loan to Blackpool. I think Neil Critchley might have been the manager at the time mm-hmm. there. And Neil Critchley was in charge of the under-23s and the under-18s who he worked with. So that loan spell that Blackpool went okay, apart from the last month. He played pretty much most games for Blackpool in the run-up to the last month. Then he just either was a change of manager, he fell out of favour, whatever it was. He got recalled back to Liverpool again. And he um, stayed with us for the rest of the season. Didn't make an appearance, but it was always involved in training, involved with preparing match day squads for the first team. He didn't really go back to train with the under-23s. He stayed in and around the first-team squad all the time, even though he wasn't involved in match-day squads or match-day lineups. So he would have had he would have gained a lot of experience in-house. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a centre-back and you're going against Jota, Darwin Nunes, you know, Mo Salah, week in, week out, you're either the most stupid person in the world if you're not soaking up this as, like a sponge, or you have. And... I think there's a tell in it really for Liverpool is there's no option with this loan. It, mm-hmm. It's a straight loan. It's very similar to what we've done with uh, Carvalho going to RB Leipzig. It's a straight loan. There's no option or obligation on either club at the end of it. And at 22, he's got, he's got, a, he's got good experience. He's got experience of Europe. And the fact that Aberdeen are going to have a volume of fixtures early doors, mm-hmm. you know, with the Conference League group stage games, domestic cups, league games, it's it's all going to come thick and fast. So the depth of squad is going to be important. I think I wouldn't expect him to be a starter for Aberdeen at the start. I expect, I'd expect him to be involved in the squads, maybe contribute off the bench, force his way in type of thing. Mm-hmm. But between him and Leighton Clarkson that you got in as well, they're two really good options. And I think it's, t- like I said, I think it's telling that Liverpool want him back. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was a case that we were going to bomb him out, then we'd have just let him go, you know. So I think it's a it's a win win for both sides, really. If it works out for Aberdeen, you know, you've got a good you've got good squad depth with experience, and he's going to kick on a, a bunch. It's good for us because he gets exposure, gets game time, a different league, different country, and it might work out better for him as well, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. His data last season, and it's hard to it's hard to look at his data too much at Blackpool because obviously Blackpool were really struggling last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they finished I think twenty third eventually in the championship, and a real slog of a season for them. But his data does seem to indicate you know a player with a, a decent kind of strong defensive presence, which you'd kind of be hoping for given his size. Although, as you say, he's kind of wiry, you're not built, so to speak. Good aerial ability, which you'd expect, and some decent passing ability, particularly in terms of looking to play like long long range diagonals, switch a play. Um, but it seems like the biggest question mark I've seen is around his pace, especially yeah. if he gets turned. And and if a if a striker gets in behind, he's going to struggle. Yes, yes, he, he doesn't. Ha- I mean, he doesn't have any pace. Uh, and I'll tell you that. Now. If you were playing FIFA, he'd have about forty six acceleration. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's one of these guys. He was blessed blessed with a lot of things. He's very vertically uh, blessed, but he's he doesn't. He turns like the Titanic, <laughs> and he moves like a tugboat. But at the same time, he's positionally he's pretty good. He his ability to read the game isn't the worst. But yeah, he's not quick. Yeah. But he, if you go actually, there's a couple of YouTube uh, compilations of his gameplay. But if you forget about the goals, the goals and stuff that he scored, watch his passing range. He can pass the ball, and he's he's quite accurate with it. 
Mm-hmm. Again, it's a tactic with Liverpool that Liverpool would have worked on is Virgil van Dijk to Mo Salah, those crossfield passes. Yeah. So it is something in his game that he will have worked on because when he played for Liverpool, he played on that left-hand side uh, of the back four where Napoli played on the right. So even though he's right-footed, he did really play predominantly on the left-hand side. He could do either roar, but to have that right-footer on the left-hand side who can ping one down the line, either line, is an asset. And I'm not sure if Aberdeen is, if it's rigid with a back four or if it's a case that it, it, you play, you can adapt and play it with a back three at times in Europe. It, it could be an option that he could be your centre-centre-back. Well, that's he could be your middle, your middle centre-back. I'm wondering if that's where Barry Robson's thinking. So we we switched to a back three for pretty much the entire time that Barry Robson came in at the back end of last season. We stuck with that. And there's been a lot of questions about whether we do go back to a back four because last summer our recruitment was very heavily weighted on wide players. We signed truckloads of wingers and then we switched to a 3-5-2 and couldn't play any wingers any longer. Um, but I, I was wondering with height, with that ability to perhaps play the ball, maybe not the quickest, but you, you stuck him in as your centre of the back three, put a couple of maybe more experienced heads either side of him, but let him yeah. kind of almost act like a bit of a sweeper you're not asking him to have to chase back too much because he'll probably be the deeper lying out of them anyway. And somebody who you can like almost like quarterback type thing, but mm-hmm. from a little bit further back. I'm wondering if that's where we're maybe viewing well, that as, a, as an option for him to play. I can remember the time when we were, uh, when he started those last five games of the season, bearing in mind that he was under severe pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, we were outside the top four when when he started with, uh, with these two at centre-back. So, and it was, you know, share burst. You know, he had no choice. It was sink or swim for him. Yeah, we didn't change how we played. We didn't go direct. The ball kept we kept playing out from the back, and we kept a highish line. It wasn't like a lunatic high line like we we ended up going towards, but it was a high line to take advantage because that was the first year of VAR. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, it was early doors in VAR anyway, and we used to take advantage of that quite a lot. And he was comfortable playing that even with Nat Phillips next to him, who again is not blessed with pace. But if he can do that in a back two under that type of pressure at 18 years of age, 19 years of age, he's he has come on a bit. You know, he's he it would be interesting to see him in a back three. It's something that we haven't never dabbled with. But he is comfortable on the ball, be it short or long, into midfield. He's comfortable taking the ball as well from the keeper mm-hmm. uh, with his back to centre backs that he can open out the play either wing so at 22 years of age he has he, he has the ability to really kick on but I long term I don't see him as a Liverpool centre-back I see him as someone that eventually Liverpool will probably look to flip but it's um, it's it's a, going to be a massive experience for him because the SPL is a different breed it's not the um, it's it's not the Premier League in terms of inte- of um, how can you put it without you, you've got you've got 20, 20 sides in the Premier League where Bayern Munich are getting outspent by Nottingham Forest. Yeah, but at the same time, the intensity in the Scottish in the Scottish game is as big as anything. You know, whether it's Rangers, Celtic, you know, it doesn't matter what game you're playing. Aberdeen is still a massive club, so there's pressure on every game, and every game the eyes are on you. So even though the eyes of the UK as a whole won't be on him. He'll still have the pressure of being in Scotland, moving home, moving to a different different part of the UK. It is different. You know, it's like people who say, oh, you live in Ireland. That's, is that like England? No, it's not, mate. It's nothing like England, I promise you. 
Yeah. It's different. And it's something that he's going to have to get used to really quick. Uh, that's why I'm glad in a way that this is done early. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, I don't know, when does the season start up there for you guys? Cause... So we start, I think it's the, the weekend of the 5th, 6th of August. So we've, we've still got a little while to go yet. Mm. Um, when do you, when are you guys back for pre-season? We started back pre-season today. Today, so, so yeah. the fact that I, I saw the video that they put out actually, that's re- that was really clever. It was really, really good. But um, the fact that he hasn't really played first team football for a while means that he can get up there really early. You know, yeah. he, he he shouldn't be this kind of guy who's uh, I need to take my two weeks holiday now, boss, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd expect him to be, you know, involved in preseason training really early. And is there's actually a really good article from the time when he went to Kidderminster that he moved into a shared house with four lads and just got on with it. And the captain thought of of um, Kidderminster at the time, thought, oh, here we are, big time child coming down from the Premier League to get his little gains and what have you. He was blown away by the attitude of the player. That he, uh, he just got right into it. He had a couple of early mistakes earlier on, but he grew into it. And the thing is, if... I, we have another player out on loan, on loan at the minute in the um, in the non-league in the in England. I think it's a great thing to do for someone who's 17, 18, because youth football is nothing like senior football. Yeah. Nothing like it. If you're if you can hack it in non-league football in England, same as over here in Ireland. I've seen non-league games over here where players are of a higher standard than you would see in some league clubs, but. To do that and to to soak it up and want to be involved in it and have the captain of the club when you leave, rave about you. It, it, it's only good for him going forward. You know, I hope this loan really works out for him. I think there's is every chance for it to work out for him because there's going to be enough games to, to share about with the volume of games that are going to come for Aberdeen. He's going to get his chances. So it's up to him what he does with it. I think the good thing as well now for, from an Aberdeen perspective, when we talk to players, I think like Reese Williams and, and players like this now, is that there's the opportunity to come and play week in, week out. And there's the opportunity, like I say, we're, we're going to be in Europe until Christmas as well, which is a big bonus. But there's been a lot of, you know, the, the Scottish League attracts, you know, a, a level of derision sometimes. And sometimes that's deserved. And sometimes I think we're incredibly um, harshly treated from that perspective. I think the quality league's actually a little bit higher than people give it credit for sometimes. But you've seen um, more recently in more recent seasons, there are eyes on the Scottish Premier League from clubs all across Europe now. There's been plenty of evidence, you know, there's there's loads of players who have now gone from the Premiership in Scotland to Serie A, for example, to, to play yeah. for Bologna, to play for, you know, Aaron Hickey, Lewis Ferguson, um, you know, who then progressed further from that perspective. You know, Aberdeen, I've currently got players being linked with Torino um, and, and other, other clubs that are in Europe. I wonder as well, and, and they've, they've probably even seen it with Leighton Clarkson to, to an extent, whereby mm-hmm. they've come up here, they do a good job for a while. They are then in the shop window, not just to maybe possibly go back to Liverpool, but there's a potential where a club outside of even the British Isles is looking at them and they, they go, that's maybe an opportunity for a different kind of career path, which I think is quite an interesting yeah. piece. I mean, do you think as well now, because I mean, obviously this is the second loan in two seasons between the two clubs. Um, and I know that Liverpool were very impressed, I think, by how well um, Calvin Ramsey had been developed at Aberdeen up to the point he was sold. I know that Liverpool were very impressed with our dealings with them on the Ramsey transfer full stop. I think we were, we were quite easy to deal with, but not, you know... Not walkovers. Not yeah. walkovers, exactly. Um, I think it's fair to say the loan of Leighton Clarkson was an all-round success for everybody. Um, yeah. You know, if if Leighton Clarkson hadn't come back to Aberdeen, Leighton Clarkson went back to Liverpool a better player than the, the one that arrived at Aberdeen, I think it's fair to say. Do you think that we might see maybe a slightly closer link-up between the clubs here going forward where this relationship is potentially beneficial for everybody? 
I hope so. Um, I think I th- I agree with you. I think the I mean we were unfortunate really in what happened with Ramsey. The fact that he I I saw him. Pretty, I liked what I saw. I got to be honest. I think he there's a quality player in there. I think the the loan to Preston is the right way to do it because of the season that he's just had. He needs to play a volume of games, and with Trent in the side, he's just not going to get that volume of games. Yeah. But at the same time. I agree with you. I think the um, the fact that Aberdeen are probably, no disrespect, third biggest club in Scotland outside of Celtic and Rangers. And look, there's no harm that Celtic and Rangers are mammoth clubs. But Aberdeen are historically, and every which way you look at it, a big club in Scotland. It's a good link-up for, both, for, for Liverpool as well because I don't like the way the academy system is set up in England. I don't like the way that um, players play under-23 football because to me... Under 23s is very regimented in a style of play, and it's it's not real. It's it's yeah. it's it's uh, football by by numbers, you know. It's like a coloring book for kids, um, and that's the best way to describe it. You know, yeah. remember the coloring books you had as a kid, and it's yeah. like the, number six 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 is blue, and what have you, and you color that in. That's what under 23s football is. Yeah. Whereas I mean, we could get there. We can, we've got you look at Ryan Kent was probably the first one really to travel that path from. In, from Liverpool to Scotland in recent years anyway and kicked on and made a career for himself and on the back of that he'd done well for Rangers and now he's gone off to Turkey you know and I think that opened people's eyes to what the possibilities were for th- that level of player going up to Scotland finding themselves as players finding themselves as human beings first and foremost and then as players as well see what a senior football is really like you know go and play meaningful football where it matters to people's daily lives and you're getting reminded of it on the street when you're living in the area that, you know, you did this on Saturday or next Saturday we've got XXX and this is the history behind it. Then you'll see the character of those players. Yeah. And I think it's a great way for the two clubs, hopefully going forward, that there is a link between the two because I, I'd love nothing more than that to happen, to be honest. We might even forgive Jurgen Klopp eventually for taking Danny Ward away from us all those years ago. Um, but there we oh, go. Danny Ward, whatever happened. That wasn't Danny Ward. That wasn't Jurgen Klopp. That was Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> no, it was it was Klopp. No, it was it was Rodgers because we sold him to um, oh, we sealed. sold him to Leicester. We sold him to Leicester, and we got twelve million quid for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And in fairness, you got that's a- up there. That's up there with Jordan <laughs> Ibe levels of uh, transfer <laughs> business for me. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Listen, anyway, Kev, it's been a pleasure talking My to pleasure. you to understand um, what we think we might be getting into with, with Reese Williams. Hopefully, as you say, it's going to be a, a loan transfer that works out for all involved going forward. Um, thank you so much for taking the time no to problem. join us tonight on the ABZ and um, all the very best for the rest of the season. Cheers, man. Take a steady. Thanks for nice having one. me. Cheers. Ta-da. So there we go, Gav. That's um, that's the Liverpool fans' view on Reese Williams. Um, still feeling relatively positive? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just, I'm very encouraged by the fact that we're getting a lot of key business done very early in the day. We are, but we are, but we still need, we still need people, don't we? We it's, do still need people, but you know, it's five all... signings in the door, but I'm still like, we need a lot more. I think for me, it's more like when we were in the final stretch of last season, you know, we were obviously happy with the results and where we were in the league, but we just kept saying that we were concerned about the scale of the rebuild that was going to be required. And, you know, I mean, got Leighton Clarkson back on a four-year deal. We haven't had a chance to talk about that. Got Leighton Clarkson back on a four-year deal. Yeah, you're right. We haven't, have we? It's sensational stuff. Number 10 is going to be the best player in the league next year. Player of the year. In the ABZ football world and in the Scottish football world. Shinny's back. 
you know, Ross McCrory, losing him is going to be a blow. But we've got Nicky Devlin, you know, good player of experience. Um, you know, Angus Bidall is coming back in. We've got um, Sokler up front. We've got another option up front. And we've got Reese Williams. And I think, yeah, by the sounds of the way that Alan Burrows and Dave Cormack are talking, we're only going to see more and more in, in the coming days. So I'm freeing up my schedule for more of these little mini podcasts. <laughs> I guess the good thing is, I, I said this on the BBC tonight, um, if we can keep Duke Miofsky, right, and we've got Sokler now, is that, that's kind of our attacking area, kind of sorted. You've got Babbage there. You've got Vinny Bajaran back, like a new signing, bunny ears. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with Shaden Morris this season over a, if he gets a pre-season under Barry Robson or if we're just going to continue to use Shaden Morris and Jaden Richardson as our agency sleeper cells. I don't know. Um, now that we've got Ramadani Clarks and Shinny sorted out, that's the kind of middle three. You, we still need backup and we still need depth there, but you've still got Connor Barron's going to a year and his his contract to run. So there is a little bit of depth in there already. Um, the wide areas, the wing backs need a bit of attention, I think. We've got Nicky Devlin, we have Jaden Richardson again. I'm intrigued to see if anything happens with Jaden Richardson over the over the, the close season, whether we can work with his natural physical attributes to try and develop into something. There's two of the three centre-half slots, perhaps, from a first-team perspective, taken now. Again, I think we still need backup in that area. Well, we've got Tony Stewart, we've got Jack Milne for coverage, so that's sorted. Jack McKenzie as well. Um, oh, Christ. <laughs> we, we do need to sort out the left wing there back is still, yeah, well. there is there's still, work to be done there's still a lot to be done for sure Potter Hazard is still to sign for us <laughs> oh Dave oh Dave oh Dave how are you feeling about the new away shirt now that you've seen it modelled by by the chairman well my one arrived tonight and okay. it's beautiful and yet you don't have it on I don't want it now because I'm, I'm saving it for fives tomorrow I'm saving it for fives tomorrow yeah, right, fair enough fair enough absolutely. fair enough um, it is beautiful, but I must admit, I, I can't now unsee what you spoke about on the last episode. But hey, we've all been there. Have we all been there? <laughs> you need to go back to episode 111 to find out what we're talking about there. Anyway, Gav, that's probably enough, isn't it, tonight? Yes, yes. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> no, we're playing five spot. Thanks for listening. Follow us on socials or on pod stuff that you do. We'll be back next time. Stanford. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's. £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!